Brilliant. Okay, are you ready for a, uh, a Saturday night evening session? Yes? Are you ready for it? Would anybody like to know what the, the score is so far between England and Wales? No? Okay, I won't tell you. It's uh, the, the greatest game in the entire world. It's rugby union. It really is. You're talking to a Cornishman, and we were brought up on playing rugby. So, you know, you talk about a sacrifice of not going gliding. Tonight, knowing that England are playing at Twickenham, and I'm sat here at five, like 20 past eight on a Saturday night, knowing that they're losing 3-0 at the moment. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't have told you the score, should I? <laughs> but um, we're going to have some good time together. Yeah, we really are. Yeah. And... Uh, we're going to just spend a few moments just looking at some things here, and then we're just going to allow the Spirit of God to move amongst us, and we're going to just see what happens. Uh, I love the encouragement along the front row when it says no pressure. Sometimes when you turn up at a church and they know that you have a, a gift, or a, your ministry gift is uh, prophesying, uh, prophesying or, or bringing words of knowledge and things like that, there, there is some pressure. And, uh, but I'm just so grateful that actually it's not about me, it's about God. Yeah. Uh, and if God wants to speak into the lives of those in the room this evening, he will. He'll either do it through his word or he'll do it through a, a word that maybe I'll give. But actually, you brought a tremendous word tonight. You know, you sang it over us. That was absolutely phenomenal. It really was. Uh, so, so God's already in the business of speaking to us, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. If you're, if you're looking for a, a title th this evening to kind of make sense of my, my nonsense this evening, it's simply this, what happens next? It's a great question. What happens next? I'm, a, I'm not a, a, a big TV kind of fan. I, I kind of jump in and out of uh, television programs. My, my wife... Uh, who I dearly love, she's a, a massive soap fan. So she kind of, she doesn't watch the, the soaps every day, but what she does, she, she watches the, the omnibus kind of sessions of the soap. So she kind of gets it all in one. I, I know some people, they actually watch it Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and then watch the omnibus, omnibus session at the weekend as well. And I think we have a guilty person over there who's now just holding her head in shame. Our glass... Our, our Glaswegian friend there. Uh, oh, I, I know. I'm, I'm very honoured. But uh, for, for me, I I love to I love to watch some of the sports programmes. I'm a little bit of a of a sports fanatic. I, I I try to have a go at most sports. I'm not very good at them, but I I try to have a go at most sports. And one of my one of my favourite TV programmes is a question of sports. I, I don't know if any of you can recall that program. It's not on in prime time anymore. It's kind of on on a later kind of session during the course of of the evening. But but Sue Barker, Sue Barker's a painting girl. She played tennis for England or Great Britain, and she you know she did relatively well. But she seems to have more kind of popularity and fame now, in a sense, of being a TV presenter than she did when she was on the courts playing playing tennis. So she hosts this wonderful quiz show. And during the, during the program, there's different sessions, there's different kind of formats. I, I don't know if you recall it, but the very first section is it's called the, the, the picture board. And, and the panel, they have to choose the, 
number from the board. They then have to um, try to work out who that, that sports person is. So it's the picture board. Then another uh, frame that they kind of go into is they have something which is called the home or the away question. They can answer questions about their home speciality, their home sport, or if they want the extra bonus point, they can answer a question on any other sport outside of their own sport. There's another little section which is called the mystery guest. And the mystery guest is when, obviously, there's a guest who is kind of acting out something. They're in disguise. The cameras don't literally show the front of the face. But what they actually show is they show some kind of little hints of who it may be. And you have to guess who that, that person is. Then there's the, the quick fire round. But then my favorite, my favorite round is what happens next. Just a few weeks ago, I was speaking in a church in Southampton, and I was co-speaking with a guy called Chris Hakabusi. Can you remember Chris Hakabusi? He's a madman, absolutely, absolute madman. He, he gave his testimony, and before I got up to speak, I, I asked the person who was convening the service, can somebody bring me the interpretation? I had no understanding what he said. He was so, so broad, so fast, so hilarious in his testimony. And we just kind of talked about his, his career, but... I, I want to ask the question to everyone in this room this evening, what happens next? In this uh, question the sport kind of moment, what happens is that there's footage of the film, the action that goes up to a certain point, then there's a freeze frame moment, everything freezes, and you have to guess from the historical path of the film so far and the the, the, free, the frames that have brought you to that place, you have to work out what's going to happen. So, so maybe it was Nottingham Forest. Am I okay to talk about Nottingham Forest tonight? Or Derby? Nottingham Forest. Or, um, let, no, let, let's, let's just talk about Derby for a few moments, okay? Maybe, maybe it was Derby, kind of, the goalkeeper has the ball, he picks the ball up, he kicks the ball out, the midfield player picks it up and just begins to, to dribble his way through the the defence and the, the opposition, he, he pulls his foot back, he's about to take a shot, and the freeze frame cuts in. You have to work out what happens next. Now, because it's Derby, they miss. Or they hit the post. But there's a freeze frame moment. And you have to, to work out from what you have seen to what's going to happen next. I believe that there are some of us in the room this evening that are living in what I call the freeze-frame moments. Life seems to be standing still. Uh, the things that you've been praying for haven't necessarily been fulfilled just yet, and you're just asking yourself, what on earth is going to happen next? I, I want to bring a little bit of direction to that and help you. There's a gentleman called uh, Terry Pratchett. He's said this in one of his great quotes. He said... The whole of life is just like watching a film, only as you miss the beginning of the big picture, you're not quite sure what the plot is, and you sit there trying to work out from the clues that you see what the film's all about. Does anybody kind of have an experience like that sometimes in life? You feel you've missed the plot or you don't understand the plot, and it just seems to be absolute chaos. I, I want to encourage you, you now because... Even though you, you may be in a freeze-frame moment, not certain of what's going to happen, the same God who was faithful to you pre the freeze-frame is the same God who will be faithful to you in the freeze-frame. Yeah. 
and will be faithful to you post the freeze frame. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the Alpha and he's the Omega. I'm so grateful for that. He's the beginning and the end, but he's also the bit in between. And oftentimes we, we have a start and we have this understanding of what the end will be like, but we get lost sometimes in that transition from God promising us something and God fulfilling his, his promise. So what's going to happen next? When I talk about the next, I'm talking about the time. I'm talking about the order and the sequence of, of events. I'd like to, to make a, a statement here, and I trust I don't offend anybody, but the success of this weekend together is not what happens during the course of this weekend. The success of this weekend is what happens post the weekend. You, you, can, you can bring me in, and I've enjoyed every moment of being with you. I've especially enjoyed the Victoria Sponge. I thought that was absolutely magnificent. But that, the, the success is not what is said on a Friday, and it's, the success is not even said on the personal prophecies. The success is what happens after I go home and you go back to what is called normal life. That's the success. It's when we revert back to the, to the normal things. I, I was talking to a, a, a key guy who, who networks with a number of churches around the, the world. He's called Joel Holm. And Joel Holm is a phenomenal guy. He's never really led a church, but he's been a consultant to many churches. Has this wonderful insight to what church should be evolving into and becoming to impact community. And he, he said this to me. He said, Ian, that there, are, there are three pathways that a Christian will take or three pathways a, a church can take. And then he began to tell me what those, those pathways were. The first pathway was this. We can return to life and simply exist on earth as Christianly as possible. And we'll pick up on that a little bit tomorrow as well. He, he said the, that the second pathway that uh, people can take is they can embark on mission, but with very little divine connection. That, that's about doing their own thing. He said, but the, the best pathway a, a church can take and the best pathway an individual can take is when they recognize the voice of God and they step out in obedience to what God has called them to do and they join him on his mission. The question this evening again is, what happens next? Do you go back to normality and live as Christianly as possible, just passing the time away or do you do your own thing or do we recognize the voice of God and step out in obedience and follow his words of command and his direction I know what I want to do yeah. my, my next has to be listening to the voice of God and has to be being obedient to what he has said my, my daughter Bethany she's uh, 27 or should be 27 in the month of December, I think it is. I'm not as good as you when it comes to dates and times. She, she was preaching in our churches a few weeks ago, and she said this. She said to our, our congregations, and it really challenged me. She said, 
it's more dangerous to say no to God than it is to say yes to God. Because when you say no to God, you then have a crisis of faith. When you say yes to God, you only have a challenge of faith. And I don't ask the question again in this setting, what is your, your next? What happens next? When I was at school, I was bottom of the pile, really. I, I wasn't very bright. I never really kind of excelled in school at all. In those days, when I was at school, I was called lazy. If I was in school today, I would be kind of put within the group that has dyslexia and has a lack of ability when it comes to, to learning. I, I remember doing the, the physics experiments. I love the physics experiments because I was the one that blew up the lab. <laughs> and I was the one who kind of left the Bunsen burners on with no flame and just the gas going between breaks. So I was the one who kind of dissected the frogs the wrong way and put the bits I dissected in the wrong places just to cause a scream, to cause some hilarity in the classroom. My, my personality got me through school. My education didn't get me through school. But I, I remember doing a, an experiment when it came to elasticity. And elasticity is the, the time when you put substance and you put material under pressure, under force, under tension, and you try to stretch it and you try to take it to a point where it then returns to its original state in its original form. I believe that when God talks to us and stretches us, we shouldn't return to our original shape or form. We, we should be enlarged, we should be stretched, and we should be taken to a point where it's to the point of no return where we say, okay, God, you've spoken to us, you've done something in our lives, and we cannot return to the same place or to the same shape. We cannot return to being the same people as we were before. So, as I drove here on Thursday night to spend the day with your pastors on Friday, enjoyed being here on Friday night, and I enjoyed every moment of my day today, and I'm looking forward to tomorrow. When I travel home to my family tomorrow afternoon after our morning service, I cannot return the same way I came. Because I've encountered God. And because I've encountered God, I have to be bigger, I have to be better, and I have to be more effective. So what's going to happen to your next? Are you going to shrink back to the size you were? Or are you going to be a bigger people because God's encountered you and you've encountered God. Am I making sense? When I have conversations with, with those within the context of my church and even within the role of my national role with the Assemblies of God, and, and by the way, our national leader sends his regards. He, he sent me a text this afternoon. He said, please pass on my regards to David and to Sue and to the church here. So John Partington does that, and if I didn't say that tonight, I'd be in big trouble in fact, my next might be I'm sacked on Monday, so I've said it now. But when, I, when I'm in conversation with, with certain people, what, what they do is their conversation is often about the past. So they don't have a next, because they're always living in the past. They're talking about the past. They're taken up with the past. The, the past was, is always better than the now for them. They're living in a day called yesterday. 
And what I've discovered is this, that the past wasn't as good as we kind of sometimes think it was. Sometimes we allowed the past memories to magnify themselves and the so-called glory days weren't as glory as we think they were. If we're going to have a next, we can't keep talking about the past. Those that don't talk about the past are wrapped up in the present. And they're just focusing on the present. They, they, they can't see beyond the now because they, maybe they're contesting something. Maybe they're battling against something. But once again, if we're going to embrace the next, we have to let go of the now and let go of the present because if we truly believe that the best is yet to come, we cannot be taken up with the now as much as we enjoy the now, we live now, but we focus on what God wants to do next. I have to let go of some of my now to embrace the next because God has so much more. When I was growing up, once again, when you get older, you tend to talk a lot about when you were growing up, don't you? But when I was growing up, there was a program called The Tomorrow People. Fascinated me. Because actually, uh, some of the younger ones are going, <laughs> But they, they were tomorrow people. Somehow they had technology and abilities beyond the now because they were living in the tomorrow. I'm so grateful that God gives us a picture of our tomorrow that we can live in now. And empowers us and gives us the technology of heaven to live advanced lives now. Every time I look into the into the Bible, I, I see great men and great women who had tremendous nexts. And I'm not talking about the superstore where you go and get your clothes. I think of Abraham described there in Genesis chapter 12. He was living in a place called Terah. He was uh, living in Haran, sorry, and that's, that's called to settle. It was a, a land which was advanced in time, a city which was advanced in time. It was a parched place, but but actually, something in the, the life of, of Abraham w was changing. God was speaking to him. And God said to Abraham, he said, I, I want you to set out. And Genesis chapter 12 begins to unfold the, the commencement of this journey that Abraham goes on. He had to leave his father's household. He had to leave his, his country. He had to leave those that he was used to. And he had to set out on a journey because God had called him. I'd like to make a proposition in this place this evening that God's calling you to set out on a journey. So your next is not to be comfortable in the settling and allowing yourselves to be rooted down too much and saying we've become complacent and we've become comfortable. But your next is to set out on the adventure that God wants to take you on. That's your next. That's my next. Does that make sense? I then began to, to think of, of others in the scripture. I, I think of Moses. Moses was the, the pastor of a massive church called the, the First Pentecostal Church of the Children of Israel. Absolutely amazing guy. Pastored them, cared for them, he led them. But when we begin to look at the, the life of, of Moses, he was born at a time where there was a, a mandate to kill and to destroy all of the newborn boys and babies he was hidden in the reeds in the Nile Pharaoh's daughter turns up and she draws him out of the, the Nile and adopts him he's adopted into the, into the palace he's educated in the palace and then what we see during the course of his life is we see that 
he goes out one day and he murders somebody and then the life of Moses we then see that he goes on the run and then we see that he's tending some sheep in the backside of the desert so I, I love that terminology in the backside of the desert I love that you can only say backside in church when you're talking about Moses did it purposely but he's there and then he has this burning bush experience and God starts to speak to him through a burning bush and God calls him from that place where nobody really wanted to be throughout the life of Moses he had setback after setback after setback but his next was not a setback his next was a comeback Maybe in this room there are those of us who have had setback after setback after setback. Maybe our lives have been filled with disappointments. Maybe our lives have been filled with so many things that have gone wrong. There's been setback after setback. Can I prophesy into your life today, your next is not a setback, but your next is a comeback. When God cause you to come back you you bounce back stronger you you bounce back more effective you bounce back because the hand of God is upon your life and God positions you and says it's your time it's your season I think of Joshua spoke a little bit about Joshua this afternoon in in the session this afternoon and we we see that in Joshua chapter 1 right through to Joshua chapter 6 we have lots of things being spoken to Joshua promises that are given to him yet the reality of the promise has to be fulfilled yet and we see him going on a journey how many of us in this room are still waiting for God to fulfill some of his promises I am still waiting God, God gave me some promises when I was a teenager the, the impatient teenager thought that it would be answered by the time I was a year older. <laughs> I then turned 20, I then turned 30, I then turned 40. And in March of this year, March the 20th, I was 50. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put my address on the back notice board so next year you can send me a birthday card on the March the 20th. But I've still got promises inside of me. Just being waiting to be birthed so so what was the next for for Joshua you see Joshua had so many promises and when he led the children of Israel across the river Jordan we see him then standing in front of a city called Jericho the the walls of the city called Jericho were insurmountable they were impregnable and the sight before him was formidable and there would appear to be no way through the the obstacle on the walls it was a massive challenge yet God began to instruct him and gave him strategy and gave him a plan to overcome the insurmountable impregnable formidable no way kind of thing that was in front of him maybe there's some of us in this room this evening that we feel that we are up against it and maybe there are some of us in this room this evening that just feel that what we are contending with is insurmountable that there's no way Jose to get through it 
Yet the next for Joshua was key because God began to speak to him and gave him strategy. Your next, my next is the way that God will speak to us to give us the keys to overcome the obstacles that are in front of us. Because he never sets us up to fail. He always sets us up to succeed. That's our next. Are we doing okay? I've only got another 16 to do. Ish. The fourth one I would like to just uh, focus on for a few moments is the story between Elijah and Elisha, found in 2 Kings chapter 2. And what we we see here is we we see transition. And once again, transition is the freeze frame moment. Because actually the word transition, it's a a filmmaking word. It's a terminology of the filmmaking industry. And freeze frames are the filmmaking. It's the, the gathering together of different frames and putting them together and causing a seamless film of action and uh, connection. Elijah, as we read in the Old Testament, he performed 14 miracles. Absolutely amazing miracles. You read them. But when there was transition from Elijah to Elisha, Elisha picks up the mantle of Elijah and he says this, give me a double portion. And there's something powerful in that. That that you see someone who's operating and functioning and you see something upon their lives that you you want, but actually there's more to it than that. You, You want a double portion of that man or that woman's anointing. So Elijah performed 14 miracles and it's recorded that Elisha performed 28 miracles. He had a double portion. What's your next? What, what's my next? My, my next is not settling for average, but my next is asking God for a double portion. Can you imagine a community of believers who gather together here in this center who cry out to God and say God thank you for everything you've done in the past but the next has to be a double portion moment can you can you just sense that because I believe that when we pray those prayers God takes us seriously and God amazes us with what he can do in us and through us because Ephesians says that God can do immeasurably more than what we ask for and what we imagine Where we finish our asking, God says, now I can start my providing. So our next has to be that season of, give us a double portion. I then started to think about Elisha, just Elisha on his own. Elijah's been taken up to heaven in the chariots. He's been pulled by the chariots. And Elisha picks up the mantle of, of Elijah. And as I started to, to think on this and just to ponder on it and wrote the, these notes down for you to share this evening, knowing that this would be my, my thought this evening, I just got the impression that sometimes we're looking around to see not what's next, but who's going to be the next. And we can look around and we can kind of say, well, God used that person and God used that person. So who's God going to use next? Who's the new man of God or who's the new woman of God who's going to be the the salt and the light in the school and who's going to be the salt and light 
in the, in the workplace? And who's going to be the salt and light in, in this center, that center? And often we can be taken up by looking for what the next thing is when, when God's saying to us, don't look for the next thing, become the next thing. Wow. It's gone quiet out there. So, so begin to step into that role and become the next thing. You see, when, when Elisha picked up the mantle, the, the, the mantle w- was symbolic of rank and position. It wasn't just symbolic of rank and position, it was symbolic of authority. So, so he picked up the authority of the, the man of God. Some, some theologians in their writing and their compiling of their notes, that they would say this, that the mantle was a symbol of the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage us this evening that we don't keep looking over our shoulder for the next, but we stand to our feet and we become the next. That we rise up in the kingdom manifesto that we were talked about this afternoon from Isaiah chapter 61, that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon us to preach the good news to those who are in need. Also recorded there in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 4, when Jesus walked into the synagogue there in his hometown and began to quote those wonderful, powerful words. I'm fascinated with the story of of Samuel. I, I love the character of Samuel. Samuel was born to a lady called Hannah who was barren. And what we, we see there in the life of, of Hannah was that she was desperate. She cried out to God. She goes to the, to the house of God and she begins to pray. And the, the priest looks and sees her. And he sees that she's in anguish. She's in distress. But she's praying. But she's, her mouth's working. But there's no words coming out. And Eli goes to her and says, you're drunk. And accuses her of, of drinking. And she says, I'm not drunk. I'm just praying. I'm praying out to God. And what we see here is she makes this wonderful confession, this declaration. She says, if the Lord is to answer my, my prayer and give me the desires and the dreams of my heart, if he was to do that, what I would do is I would then give that child back. I'd give that son back. And God's very gracious. God steps in and causes this barren womb to be fruitful. She conceives. And then she has this, this son, Samuel, but uh, she stays away from the house of God for a period of time until the child's weaned. And then she takes the child back and she lays the child into the hands of the, of the priest and she says, he's here to serve. And he became a servant of the house of God. You know the story, don't you? Yeah. Something wonderful in that story because every year Hannah would then go back to the house of God called Shiloh and she'd go back and she'd take a new linen ethod, the ethod was a garment which the, they would wear in the house of God in their, in their service I'm fascinated about this because every year Samuel grew and every year his mum would then go back and give him a new ethod that would last him the next year I think part of our responsibility enrolled here because of this successful weekend together is simply this it's time for us to wear a bigger jacket so our next is about wearing a bigger jacket. I had the, the duty, the chore, it was on my to-do list to take up my, my youngest son, Reuben. He's 16. He'll be leading worship in our home church tomorrow. He's phenomenal. It was my responsibility to take him to buy his new sixth form blazer. He, 
did his GCSEs in August, sorry, he got his results in August, and I'm proud to say that he got six A stars, sorry, seven A stars, and five A's. And one of the results that he had is what they call A hat, which was in higher maths, which is higher than A star. The guy is absolutely phenomenal. He gets his brains from his mum. That was an answer to prayer. Because every time my children were born, all four of them, I held them on my arms and I said, God, please give them brains and give them understanding and give them the ability to learn. Because I know what it was like to go through school not able to learn. So when I went to school with him in August to get his results, I wept and thanked God for answering prayer. So I had the responsibility to take him to the shop to buy his blazer. I went in, bought him a blazer. It fitted him perfectly. I go home, we present the blazer to Jackie. Ruben, where's the blazer? And she said, it's no good. I I said, why isn't it any good? And like every mum, she said, he's got to wear it for the next two years. The rate he's growing in and the rate he's developing, that will only last him half a term. (laughs) So we had to go back to the shop and we had to exchange the jacket that fits him now for a blazer that will fit him in two years' time or he'll grow into. I don't understand that, but that's a woman's thing. It's a lady's thing. So my son went to his sixth form for his first day. He's the tallest in our house. It doesn't take much to be taller than he, myself and my wife. But he's the tallest in the house. He he stands about so tall. And his jacket was so long, it was dragging on the bottom of his shoes. That's a slight exaggeration, but it was dragging on his shoes. In fact, overnight, I thought he'd lost his hands because no longer did he have his hands. But his mum is very clever because she's forecasted his growth. And she's forecasted in her understanding of who he is and where he's going, his development and his growth. So she says he will grow into it. Our next thing is not to wear something that fits us now. Our, Our next thing is to wear the mantle... And we're the office that at the moment just feels too big and doesn't feel comfortable but just feels a fractionally too big because God the Holy Spirit says it's the next thing and you will grow into it. That's the next thing. I then started to think about about others. I, I thought about David. And David in 1 Samuel chapter 17, he has a Goliath in front of him. It's a Goliath opportunity. Yet yet he was intimidated by... No, he wasn't intimidated. But his brothers and the armies of Saul who were surrounded in that valley, they were looking down into the valley as Goliath came out. They were intimidated by what they saw and they were intimidated by what they heard. Every morning the giant would come out. For 40 days he came out. Every morning he taunted them and he destroyed the hopes of their day. And every evening he would come out and he would taunt them and 
kind of throw insults at them and he then destroyed their dreams of the nights the enemy is very crafty he'd always go for the hopes and the dreams and even when when David presented himself to, to Saul his own brother turned around and said to him what are you doing here and questioned him about the content of his heart and said your heart's conceited you have a wicked heart was questioning his motives and was questioning his agenda and even a questioned questioned his ability but David knew that his next was to take the giant down our next is not to be intimidated by the giants that stand before us but our next is to bring the giants down Clive God's given you dreams and God's given you desires and passions and sometimes you've stood before the opportunities that's been presented to you and where there was once hope it was almost as if hope was melted away because of what you saw and what you heard before you even some of those dreams were stolen from you or felt like they were stolen from you from a almost like a dream catcher but the word of the Lord to you tonight is it's time to resurrect those dreams and allow those dreams to be taken from the back burner of life and to be brought to the forefront of life because it's not too late it's not too late maybe you've even said to yourself it is too late but the word of the Lord to you tonight my friend and I trust this blesses you it's not too late because God doesn't work according to the chronos of time which is a measurement of time so the chronos of time is the it's five to nine the month is September it's been a long day it's the year 2015 that, that's chronos but God talks about time in the keros moment which is purpose, season reason, activity and God will speak over your life it's not too late it's not too late it's not the chronos measurement it's the keros measurement and God is bringing you into a season where the dreams that you had as a child, as a younger man and even dreams that have been of present day delivery to you God will bring them to birth you'll not just see them through the eye of the spirit but you see them through your natural eye as well and they'll become tangible to you and you'll hold them and you'll say God has been faithful to his word so, so, that, so the next for us is to embrace those giants and to take those, those giants down I think of, of Nehemiah Nehemiah is the, the guy who rebuilt and reconstructed a broken down city I love the, the verses that were quoted to us this afternoon from Isaiah chapter 58 where it talked about we would be the rebuilders of the desolate places. I love that. But I want to ask the question as you go about the rebuilding of a community that has been broken, a community that has been put under pressure. What, what do you see? Because when, when Nehemiah walked around the city, his home city, he 
he saw things very different to how other people saw them. You see, when other people walked around, all they saw was rubble. They saw broken pieces. But when Nehemiah walked around, he didn't see rubble, he saw building material. When we walk around the community of this city, the city that God's called us to, and especially this community that God's called us to, whether it be the most difficult estate or the poorest estate or the most needy estate, whatever it may be, when we look at that, what do we see? Do we see rubble, a broken relationship? Do we see rubble of broken marriages? Do, do we see rubble of dysfunctional activity and community? Or do we see through the rubble and see the pure building material that God wants us to see? See, Nehemiah, he uh, rose up and he embraced the opportunity that God presented to him. He faced the mocking of those around him. He faced the ridicule and he faced the opposition the Sambalats of this world will always find a way to hinder the work. They will form alliances to a common cause to bring you down and to distract you. It's amazing how those who have nothing in common all of a sudden find things to have in common when they're trying to mock, to ridicule and to oppose. There's anger in the alliances. They incense, they would ask the questions, what are you trying to do? Will you do it? Can you do it? But Nehemiah didn't bow the knee to those who criticized him and pulled him down. He simply said, I can't stop and come to talk to you because I'm about God's work. I'm about the good work. I would make a suggestion this evening for us in this room that our next to keep on building, to keep on persevering, and to keep on re-establishing the walls and the gates and the community that's been broken, but to rebuild it and to re-establish it. I'm now coming to my last point. The Apostle Paul. He was a, an accuser of those that were walking in the way. He was accuser of those who were part of the church, the first church, but he didn't remain an accuser. He didn't remain a blasphemer. But actually, the Apostle Paul, who was actually called Saul, Saul's next was to have a transformation of name and a transformation of character. And the very guy who persecuted the church became possibly one of the best church planters we've ever read about and will ever read about planted churches across his community and planted churches who then in turn planted churches a number of churches are accredited to him he pioneered them he put people into them he pastored them he led them he became an apostle figure to them and then he trained up a generation underneath him who then also expanded the kingdom of God and also planted churches dare I say that possibly in the near future our next is to church plant from here into another community wow 
not, not just to build one church or one church location, but have multiple locations with faith expressions where we take the gospel and we take it seriously. And it's not the great suggestion, but it becomes the great commission that we begin to look at the context of the community that God's calling us to. And then we take the gospel and we bring that gospel into the reality of the setting and we begin to see Jesus transform and change lives. Can, can I say that our next is to build the bridge from the cafe into the auditorium and from the auditorium into the cafe. Our next is to build the bridge from the Haven Center to the school next door and to the community next door. This is our next. You see, we love God, but the, the great commandment is that we love God, but equally we love people and we bridge the gap. We need to embrace our, our next. But this evening at uh, five past nine, and I'm, I'm coming to the end, we're still living in a freeze frame moment. So, so what's going to happen next? God's been faithful to you guys over the course of the last decade. In fact, the church is, did I hear 20 years old? 20 years old the church is, and it's been a roller coaster ride of activity and events. I don't know what the roller coaster ride looks like. I, and actually, I'm only hazarding a guess it's been a roller coaster ride because that's what church life is. It is a roller coaster ride. We, we scream with delight and we scream with fear. We hold on to the, the cage that we find ourselves sat in on this roller coaster ride and we're not quite sure whether we should be enjoying this or enjoying it. But what's going to happen next? I started off by saying simply this, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. So God has been faithful to you in the first 20 years and God willing, subject to him not returning within the next 20 years and who knows, he may do. But if he doesn't return within the next 20 years, I am convinced. And if I was a betting man, I'd put the mortgage money on it. But I'm not a betting man. I'm a man of faith that rest assured knowing that the same God who's been faithful will be faithful when no longer do we live in the freeze frame moment but we begin to embrace what God has next in the sequence of of events so the success of this weekend is not the way the worship team have performed and they have ministered to us exceptionally well the success of this weekend is not even the way that we have had fellowship together and we've enjoyed each other's company I trust you've enjoyed my company the success of the weekend is not even if I get an invite back. And my friend and I had a bit of a banter on Friday night when we came in. And he, he said to me, he said, did you bring any cider with you? And I, I said, no, I didn't. I'll bring it next time if there is a next time. You see, I'm always grateful for the first invite. I'm amazed with the second invite. <laughs> so what's going to happen next 
I simply prophesy over this place tonight and we'll do more prophesying tomorrow I I think it's tomorrow and I'm not going to make things up just to make you feel good I don't do things like that but the best is yet to come the best is yet to come for, for this church collectively but the best is yet to come for you as individuals is that in the right place the best is yet to come for you as individuals and we can be confident of this that the next is really exciting God bless you fantastic I'm excited for the morning anybody else excited for the morning okay good so uh